0: What is going on everyone? Welcome to Your Mindset Podcast. I'm your host Colin Henderson and we have a phenomenal guest today. When I look back on my training and on the path to be a mental performance coach, you know this was several years ago, I started looking online for mentors, teachers I can study and learn from and there's one individual that stood out from the rest and that's Brian Kane. Brian Kane has been a mental performance coach for almost 20 years, and he's worked with the best performers in the world, covering champions from mixed martial arts, uh, World Series champions, NFL champions, college national champions, Heisman Trophy winners. Uh, and he has an amazing program for coaches and athletes called the Mental Performance Mastery Program, which I am a graduate of. And, you know, when I look back, you know, I got my master's degree in education. And then, you know, when I was talking about the mental game, I went back to get my master's degree in sports psychology. Now, nothing against the field of sports psychology, but the multiple classes I was taking over time, I thought to myself, really, I'm not learning anything that I can apply with the athletes and the salespeople and the business that I'm training. I go back to Brian Kane's content all the time. So he's going to teach you how to apply mental skills training and the skills and the drills and the systems you need to optimize your mindset to be the best version of you. And I'll say this, Brian is as authentic as it gets. He has so much energy, so much passion because he's living in his passion. He was born to do this and Brian, so thankful for you, so grateful for your time and for your energy. Guys, uh, sit down, buckle up, get ready to take some notes and please follow Brian Kane on all his platforms. And I will encourage you right now. If there's anything you do when his classes, when his programs open up again, whether you're a performer, a stay-at-home mom, business coach, manager, athlete—does not matter. Take his courses; you will not regret it, guys. Let's go. It's it's time to learn from Brian Kane. <laughs> Brian, what's up, man? Welcome to Master Mindset Podcast.
1: Hendo, man. Fired up to be here. Thanks for having me, dude.
0: Let's go. Dominate the day. So let's just talk about, I think, for my audience, uh, listeners, you're listening to what I think is the GOAT, Brian Kane. And you Google mental performance, you're going to find content from Brian Kane. But let's just give our listeners the origin story, how you got in into this uh, role.
1: Yeah, I mean it all started because I was I was, you know, a failure in college baseball. I mean, I like to say that I was college baseball's highest, pay, highest paid most underperforming player in the country in the history of the game and because of that failure, I used that setback as an opportunity for a comeback, right? I used that failure or that adversity to my advantage simply because you know, when I failed in college baseball, it wasn't because I didn't work hard. It wasn't because I didn't have the right attitude. It wasn't because I I didn't care. Like it's, it's all these things that coaches tell you or motivational speakers tell you coming up is that if you work hard, you're going to get results. It's not true. If you work hard at the wrong thing, you're actually going further and faster away from where you need to go. And that was me. And if you're, you know, to put it simple, baseball is an explosive sport. You do not do cardio training for baseball. You do plyometric training, okay? So, you can be, which I probably was, the hardest working, most dedicated, most committed cardiovascular trained baseball player. It's why my fastball went from 88 as a sophomore in high school to 82 as a senior in college because... I was literally Hendo waking up and running four miles in the morning before practice. And this is at three o'clock in the morning in Vermont because we used to get into the gym at five and I had to be in the training room at four. And then I would run another four miles at night. And I wondered why I was always hurt, always tired, and I had no juice or velocity. And I thought it was because I wasn't working hard enough. So I worked harder at the wrong thing and I got worse. Mm-hmm. Eventually it led to a shoulder surgery and just drove me crazy. So one of my friends who was a soccer goalie she said, hey, you should talk to our sports psych person on campus. I think, I think it would help you. So I said, okay, I'm in. So I went and talked with her, and she was tremendous, and she helped me. And then I got into kind of the mental game that way. Once summer, I was playing summer baseball. My roommate was from Dartmouth. He had a book, The Mental Game of Baseball by Harvey Dorfman. I was like, oh, what is this? I opened it up and I was like, ooh, this is good. And I couldn't put it down, so I read that book. And then that was the summer after my freshman year, so let's call that when I graduated, I got out of high school in 97, so it had been summer of 98. Well, summer of 2000, I'm rehabbing from a shoulder surgery, and I come across the book Heads Up Baseball by Ken Revisa. To put in perspective how impactful this book was, I have his face tattooed on my heart. I read the book. I didn't own a computer. I went to the library, sent him an email, and said, hey, I want to be a, a coach, a high school coach. Um, And I may be a college coach, but I really like what you're talking about with Heads Up Baseball, about you got to be in control of yourself before you can control your performance. And he says, quote, in the book, if a coach is telling you to relax, but they're not telling you how, and I'm like, shit, that's my life. They're saying, take a breath every pitch. So I started to do that. And next thing you know, I played a lot better. I wasn't, I still, my velocity didn't go from 82 to 88 because I could take a breath, but my ability to be in control of myself and be present and get the most out of what I had in that moment came to fruition. So I was like, there's something to this mental game. So I ended up sending him an email. I go become a grad assistant baseball coach at Cal State Fullerton, do my master's degree with Ken there for two years. And unlike most graduate programs, I know I get to see Ken Revisa every day, work with coaches, athletes, and teams. So I would not only be in class with him and then I'd go back to his office as his TA and check his email and answer all the questions he was getting from other coaches. I would then go with him to UCLA to watch him work, to USC, to Long Beach, to Fullerton, to the Angels, to high schools, to junior colleges. I mean, it was unbelievable. Out to his house. And then I would go out to Cal State Fullerton's baseball team, who he also was working with, where I still kind of wanted to be a baseball coach. And I would get to see, okay, Ken came out spoke to the team. How were the coaches? Well, at the time was George Horton, who went from Fullerton, won national championship to Oregon. Rick Vanderhoek, who's the coach at Fullerton. Dave Serrano, who went from Fullerton to Irvine to Tennessee. I mean, it was a who's who of coaching. And I got to see what they actually did from what Ken taught. So I got to see what he wanted to teach, what the baseball coaches were able to take out of what he was teaching and see where some of those gaps were because I came at it, unlike the baseball coaches, I came at it from a passion for sports psychology. And unlike a lot of people in sports psychology, I came at it from a coaching perspective of wanting to be a baseball coach. So I was kind of caught in between the two. And for a long time, I'm like, man, I don't know what I want to do. Do I want to try to go do this mental game thing that Ken's doing? Or do I want to be a baseball coach? And in hindsight, just like getting injured as a college baseball player, that adversity became my advantage. That confusion led to my clarity of, I want to blend two and I want to work mental game, but I want to be able to help coaches coach the mental game. So I feel like the thing that has given me any success in doing this work in sports psychology is I come at it from a coaching perspective of how do we actually do on the field, this things they're talking about in a sports psychology psychology classroom. Because, you know, Hendo, you got two degrees in sports psychology now, right? Two master's degrees. And you will know from your experience that that conversation isn't always happening in academics of how we take what we're talking about in a textbook and make it happen in practice. And I think that's the gift that I got from Ken Revisa and I've been able to refine over the last two decades of doing this work, but I got into it because I was on a mission to find out why did I fail and what did I need and how can I help speed up that learning curve and soften some of that pain for other people who aren't getting that training.
0: So good. That's so that's quality stuff right there. So what I want to know too is part of my mission at master mindset on this podcast is to normalize mental performance training so when you got out, it's changed over the last 20 years. Wouldn't you agree? Well, it's changed. Of, it. Wasn't there a stigma, real big stigma? As a college athlete, I, I felt like I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to say there's something wrong with me. It was very reactive. But I think now what we want to do is make it prehab, not rehab. Correct. So maybe, maybe give us some soundbite nuggets. What are some common things you hear why people don't want to, to teach the mental game or learn the mental game? And if you could, to provide some wisdom, how can we come at them with a, hey, here's some reasons why you need this stuff now?
1: Well, you said it, it's, it, we want we, it's always been rehab. It's always been, excuse my language, you're fucked up, go see the sports site guy. And now what we're trying to do is go from rehab to prehab, go from, I do this when I lose to I do this because I want to win right? It's not like you go out and get your tail kicked as a two, you know, you were a two-sport athlete in the Pac-12 at Washington State, man. You played football and baseball. You don't start lifting weights as a football player in the Pac-12 after you'll go get your ass handed to you by someone at Stanford or, or, or Arizona State. You're not going to go, oh, I need to lift now. No, you're proactive. You know that's coming, so you start lifting. Well, as an athlete, we know that these mental challenges are coming up. We know that there's going to be frustration, especially if you're playing baseball because you can do everything right within your control and not get your result. It's called making a good pitch, giving up a hit, hitting a ball right at somebody. Right. You also have a factor called umpires. You have, a, you have in football, you have the physical pain. You have the speed of the game. You have the the doubt that comes with any athlete as you climb the levels of success going from a high school handle where you're the All-American to Washington State where everyone's an All-American and the people you're playing against are also All-Americans. So what does that mean? That means the talent level is now even so there's less margin for error. You can't get by on talent alone. You have to have some mental strategy to keep you in the present and Truly go one pitch, one play at a time. So I think the state of mental performance in a lot, lot of social media has helped with this. Athletes like Michael Phelps, who talks about some of his mental game strategies and challenges. George St. Pierre, who's an athlete who I've gotten to know and corner for you know, a large part of his career and has been a good friend and advocate for mental performance. Podcasts that didn't exist 20 years ago where athletes are talking about this. Guys that you know, like, like Russell Wilson, who I met down at the IMG Academy with Trevor Moad years ago, talking about their mindset and what they do. Right. So let's now cross the bridge from, okay, I get that mindset training is important. I get that there's a mental performance component to all sports. What do I do? Well, here's the place to start. Start with understanding that you do skills to develop, I'm sorry, you do drills to develop skills to create a skill set. So if you're a a linebacker in football, you do ladder drills to develop the agility and lateral movement skill you need to be able to hunt the football, and that helps become part of your skill set as a linebacker, right? Multiple skills make a skill set. Well, the mental performance skill set is what I call the 10 pillars of mental performance. I probably should have called it the 10 skills of mental performance because if you have these 10 skills, you have mental toughness. So let's take this concept of mental toughness that has been up here in the clouds where nothing happens and put it in the dirt or on paper where we can say, here's the start and the finish. Now, I understand there's no absolutes. There's always exceptions, but... 80 to 90% of the time, these are the 10 skills that we're going after to develop. So the skill one is an elite mindset, your attitude, your perspective, how you see the world. Skill two is your motivation and commitment, the motivation to get going, but the commitment to keep you going after that motivation fades because it does fade, right? Number three is focus and awareness, how to focus on the things you can control and be in the present, have the awareness to know when you drift and bring it back to the next player, the next pitch. Skill four is self-control and discipline, how to have the... make the right decisions and get yourself to do more of the right things and less of the bad things. Case in point, uh, one of my clients, Hunter Bishop, was a first-round pick of the San Francisco Giants. Went to the same high school with Tom Brady. And I remember he's sitting in my kitchen uh, at, before he went to spring training. We were talking about you know routines and habits and doing more good, less bad. And as you leave college and go into pro baseball, there's more distractions. There's more people pulling at you when they know you're a first-round pick and you look like you just came out of a Greek god. Movie people are going to be pulling at you, you know. And he's like, "Oh, that's kind of what Tom was saying." I'm like, "Tom who?" He goes, "Oh, Tom Brady." I'm like, "You know Tom Brady?" I, I, that's when I realized I went to the oh, same just high school. Right.
0: names are up. Yep.
1: Right. I realized I went to the same high school. And he said, I, I, and he showed me the text message. I said, "Ask Tom Brady what the million dollar question is." Like, ask Tom Brady what he knows now he wishes he knew then. And basically, he put it so brilliantly as he has in his, in his book, the, TB, the TB12 method, right, where he says, "As you grow." find out what works for you, do more good, less bad, you'll have a great career. I mean, it's really that simple. That's what, that's what we're talking about with mental performance is Mm -hmm. identify behaviors for you that are good, which I would put in the context of what's above the line, above the line, decision-making above the line behaviors, right? What's Mm -hmm. below the line, poor decision-making, poor behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like the, is Trevor... I had a friend of both of ours would say it's the illusion of choice. Nick Saban, mm-hmm. the illusion of choice. If you want to be world-class. Do say, simple better, yeah. Yeah, if you want to be world-class, that's Ken Revisa 101, man. Ken mm-hmm. Revisa and Joe Madden coined the term do simple better, right? Which is know what's above the line, find those simple behaviors, which we'll talk about. I'll give you the basic ones I use with every athlete that are the fundamentals, that if you get those, the domino effect into everything else is really, really special and good. But once we know what doing simple better, Better is, and we know what above the line and below the line behaviors are, we then can have better focus and awareness, and I can have more self-control and discipline to be more above, less below. That takes us to pillar five, which if you value process over outcome, you will realize how the day-to-day decisions add up over time. I didn't get to 240 pounds in a 44-inch freaking waist overnight. That was a small decision over time. I didn't then work backwards to be 180 pounds, sub-10% body fat, and have my wife shorts yesterday for father's day there were 32 inch waist that I couldn't fit into because I'm a damn 30 now that didn't happen overnight either hendo it's about decisions man and your decisions determine your destiny but you will not take those decisions seriously unless you value the process more than the outcome that takes us to skill number six which is meditation and mental imagery meditation gets you to learn how to stay neutral and get back to being present And how to slow yourself down and mental imagery is a preparation tool because everything happens twice first in your mind then in reality and this goes back into the Bible and I'm not the most faith based person but I believe the Bible has a lot of principles that hold true and one of which is without a vision the people will perish. I believe that to be true without a vision or a goal that you have, you will perish because you will not know what direction to move and what steps to take next. That leads us to pillar seven, which is routines and habits of excellence. Show me your daily routines, your AM and your PM, and I'll tell you what your future results are going to be and what your life is going to look like. Pillar eight is time management and organization because the one factor is the same for you, me, and everyone listening to this is there's 168 hours in a week, 86,400 seconds in a day, and you either invest time or you waste or spend time. And I like to make an investment because investments on time give you a return. Skill nine is leadership and skill 10 is the right culture. So I think those are the 10 skills that make mental toughness. So when we go look at creating what is a mental training program or mental conditioning program that I can create that's going to help me to do, what are the drills I need to do to develop these skills to acquire this skill set of mental toughness or mental performance mastery? Let's talk about a couple of the skills. One or a couple of those drills. One of the drills is call success hotline every day. My mentor, Dr. Rob Gilbert, I got Ken Revis's face here. Gilbert's would go here. They would be on the top of Mount Rushmore with you, Hendo, if there was one of sports psychology. Nice Come Rob on. Gilbert, every morning, bro, at 7.30 Eastern, he leaves a three-minute message on the answering machine. All you do is call and listen. Three minutes every day, do a little, a lot, not a lot, a little. I've been calling since 2006. And, and I'll everything- say
0: this, i I've been doing it because I've, I listen to your, your work and I follow you, you know, the small group on Facebook. I, guys, I am an MPM. Trained coach, by the way. So I've gone, I've gone through Brian's program. Thank and you, for I, and I love it. You're, you're bringing the heat today, and always. Hey, you want to be useful? You got to be juiceful. Let's go. That's <laughs> your line. Amen. But, uh, but I think he did it before there was podcast. So he's so old school, and he's still regimented. He does it every day. You call that number. I have it saved on my uh, favorites. Yep. In the morning you just dial it, it's right there. He just is it the number
1: it one me. on your favorites? If it's not, what is?
0: The number one is my, is my wife and married. My wife's number
1: two so. on mine. My wife's number two on mine. And, and the reason okay. why, the reason why is if I'm not my best, then I'm not serving her at the highest level. So I know I need to call success hotline in order to be my best to be able to serve her. That's why I put success hotline one. Because with leadership, if we're going to pillar nine, you got to lead yourself first, right? You can't, you cannot give to someone that which you, which you do not have, okay? Mm-hmm. And no one wants your B game, okay? No one wants your B game. If you're a coach listen to this and you don't have energy out the ass because you work out every day and you take, Care of yourself, start. Because you're giving the world your B game and no one wants that shit. They want your A game. The world deserves your A game. You deserve to give your A game to everybody. And you can't have your A game if you don't master the four fundamentals of optimal living, which we cover in the NPM certification, right? These are, these are four drills to do, to develop a skill of, of you know, a, elite mindset that feeds into mental toughness. It's also a drill you might do to lock into routines and habits, which are the four fundamentals of optimal living EMMS: How you eat, how you move, your mindset, and how you sleep. Now, this is a mindset podcast, so I'm gonna not talk about eating, not talk about movement, not talk about sleep. But I will talk about I will talk about the ring finger. I will talk about mindset and calling success hotline. hendo every day is probably the number one thing I do to feed my mindset. Would Would you say it's worth the listeners calling?
0: Yeah. Well, also, I think you mentioned you, if you're a coach, if you're a speaker, if you want to do this full time or as a side hustle. You can't just know the information. You have to deliver the information. You have to be captivating. You have to entertain. You have to engage. You have to be vulnerable. You have to um, hold them in. You can't just know the content. Knowing the content is enough. You have to live it, number one. Yep. You got to bring it, number two. Yep. And you have to have empathy and serve and have that heart to transform life. Don't do it because of how many followers and how you look. You have to do it because you want to transform someone's life. That's the mission. Um, yeah, I love
1: that. I, I would say number one, know, know the content, right? And, and, yeah. and two would be live the content and be able to deliver it in a, in a captivating way like you're talking about. You'd say, you know, entertain. I would say be able to edugize, educate, but energize. So educate, know the work, energize, live and let your, let you, how you live your life be a model of the work. And then step three, which is how do you then get paid for what you do to solve people's problems, right? And whether that's mm-hmm. some people would go into marketing, strategy, branding, which I get that question a lot. But what you just said, which was so good, was how do you lead with a servant's heart and love and care and serve people, which if you do, you'll have, you'll have work all the time because you'll be connecting and you'll be helping people solve their problems, which is all we're trying to do as a coach is help people solve their problems to become the best version of themselves. And call and success hotline is a big way to solve some of those in my book.
0: I love it. Um, and then you also talk about the way of life app as well. Yeah. That's been the big one that I've been hearing you talking about. Maybe give us some, yeah. some, some insight. Are you on using that. it yet? Yes, I am. And I, I have, I have three things I put in. I just, I'm measuring three things. I'm measuring, I'm exercising every day. Nice. I'm doing mindfulness every day and I'm, I'm reading every day. I feel what like you if I, I do those three, um, I have a few apps. I have, I've have Headspace, I've Calm. I also yeah. have my own system that I developed. I call it the Ha Method. I have, I am, I will. It's, it's more of a more active mindfulness. So actually I breathe. So I call it the four minute mental workout. So I breathe for a minute. Give it to us. I breathe for a minute, take yep. you know, four slow, deep breaths, yep. six to eight. Yep. And then I, then I do, I have thoughts, emotions, gratitude. I have five kids, uh, eight and under. I have my health, I have my wife, I have my business. Um, I get to talk to Brian Kane today. Let's go. It's 80 degrees outside in Seattle. Come on. So just hunting the good stuff. And then yeah. I am is affirmations like I am a beast. I am worthy of this. I'm gonna make X amount of money. I'm whatever. I'm gonna serve, you know, I'm gonna change someone's life today. Just just what we weeks call it, to feed the good wolf, two wolves in our mind, negative positive. And then I say, I will, I'll set that one intention one intention for the day. I'll see myself executing, being present, engaged, and I think of big goals as, as if they're already done. So the, the how method, the four minute mental workout. So I'll do that on top of listening to great thought leaders on, on the phone, five to 10 minutes. And I know you use the call map. I love when you uh, repost the the quotes. So I'm learning how to teach mindfulness listening to these teachers. And also I have my my own system. So if I do mindfulness, I exercise. If I read a book, the book I just finished by, by uh, his name is Ryan holiday. Stillness is the key. Talk about, uh, abundance of insights, wisdom from all, all different, uh, times in the world's country and thought leaders. Great, great content for everybody there. Love um, that you so, mentioned
1: Ryan Holiday. I read, I read yeah. the daily stoic every day as part of my AM routine and part of my 1% intention. Cause you shared some strategies. Calm yeah. is a meditation strategy. Yeah. Ha- um, um, headspace is a meditation headspace. strategy. You headspace. said, Hey, so H A W E, give me, I'm writing this down now. I should have been more prepared. What so did it's you say? Just, the acronym it's, was?
0: It's, it's called the HA method. I have, I am, I will. I have, H, I have, I yep. am, A, yep. I will. The Ha method, I have, I am, I will. And I have bracelets. I have bracelets when I do my workshops and businesses and, and athletes and students. It doesn't matter who you are. Those Love moms, I don't, I don't care. It says, I have, I am, I will. There's a reset button and then it's reset, refocus, rise. So we have a, a reset word. We have a routine that we do. I know you talk about that same stuff, Brian. Um, and we believe that adversity is an invitation to grow and get better. Like it's going to come yeah. like, like I want it, bring it, let's go. This is yeah. you know, how, you, how you define mental toughness, how you respond to adversity, challenge, change and success. So we don't leave these things to chance. We have a plan, a reset plan with breath, with word, with using our body.
1: And this might transition to another question I want to talk to you about, about feelings. That's right. By the way, you just dropped some absolute gold. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's big. Time. I appreciate it. Hey,
0: we, we have the That's same good. goal, same mission, man. Um, yeah. let, let's, a few things I want to talk about. I, I do want to, um, demystify teaching and learning the mental game, but sure. before I get into that question, I want to talk about, I think you, you teach it so well. And I think that the sales reps I work with, the executives or athletes, or again, anybody, they have this myth that they have to feel confident and motivated to perform at a high level, <laughs> which is the biggest lie. I think that I didn't understand until learning from you and other thought leaders, Let's just talk about feelings and how we can overcome, you know, feelings aren't facts, how we use breath, uh, use our body, uh, FBS. um, What is FBS?
1: BFS, body language focused self-talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest misconception of mental performance is it's going to make me feel good, you know, and there's only two people who care how you feel, man, your doctor and maybe your mother, right? And everyone else wants to know, are you going to deliver results? So the one thing you have to learn is that acting changes everything right? Okay. It and just came to Focus,
0: body language, self-talk. Self-talk, yeah.
1: BFS. So, Focus, body language, self-talk, yeah. So your states, right? How, how you feel, because that's real, can be affected and I can be is affected. And Amy Cuddy proves this in her research out of Harvard in her book Presence and her TED Talk, which has been seen by 50, 50 million people, is that your body language helps shape who you are. Your focus determines your future. And your self-talk is kind of running that auto program that's with you all the time. You hear your voice more than anyone else's. So one of the strategies, one of the skills that we try to develop of an elite mindset is based off of this drill of identify your best body language focus and self-talk. And, and though I've done this with... If, if I've done this with 10,000 athletes all over the world, all different ages, all different sports, they would all say the same thing. They would say, when I play my best, my body language feels like this, big, strong, swaggy, smooth, energized. My focus is on what I'm trying to do, not what I'm trying to avoid. My focus is on what's in front of me, not what was behind me or what's way down the road. And the self-talk is either non-existent or It's specific. And it's task relevant and it's telling me what I want to do. Now, sometimes, you know, it depends on the sport, right? Like if I've been in ultra endurance and you listen to David Goggins, David Goggins, who's a retired Navy SEAL and does these ultra endurance runs, one of the best athletes on the planet right now, big name, Wall Street, number one seller, his book Can't Hurt Me, must read. He talks about how visualization and self-talk are your two best friends. And say visualization is part of your best friend because it creates pictures and our brain works in pictures and you want to see things before they happen. Whether it's preparation for you going into a game or seeing yourself, you know, come through at an event, whatever it is, and self-talk because that's the voice that's in your head. And something, a strategy around self-talk, and it ties back to your ha method, is having what I call a mantra. So a mantra is basically like, and some people might call it a confidence conditioning statement. Some people might call it a a affirmation statement. Some people might call it a, a, um, you know, I think I said confidence conditioning statement already, no, but basically I, we, we call it a reset
0: word a reset. Yeah. Phase.
1: Something that you okay. save yourself over yeah. and over again. Yeah. Right. So, so when I'm running this Ironman triathlon and I'm 120 miles into a 140.6 race and I'm, and I'm, wanting to quit and I'm suffering and I'm glycogen depleted and all that jazz. And I looked down at my feet. When I would look down at my feet, I would see a little green dot I put on my shoes. When I saw those green dots, that meant to me, pick your head up, go and repeat your affirmation. And the affirmation, this one, or my, my mantra, I picked up from Mark Devine, who wrote the book, The Way of the Seal, was a former Navy SEAL commander. And he said, looking good, feeling good, I should be in Hollywood. And it's so stupid and it's so funny but it helps because it gets you to smile. And if you smile and you can pull your head up and you can laugh a little bit, then you're not in as much pain as you thought you were, right? So I would be sitting there saying to myself, looking good, feeling good. I should be in Hollywood, looking good, feeling good. I should be in Hollywood. And then other things like, you know, chest out, pump your arms, be smooth. Just some technical things that would help me with my technique, but most of it around a mindset. And then there are other things I would think about things that I would call it going to the dark side. And this is one of my, favorite strategies of going to the dark side of just thinking about the people who crossed you thinking about the people who screwed you thinking about the people who have taken advantage of you and and literally thinking about when you're running you're just taking their soul and using that as fuel and not a lot of people talk about that because it's not i mean i think it's positive other people think why why, why do you think about the negative i'm like because there's energy there man there's fuel there man All the people that maybe not even necessarily people told you that you couldn't or you can't, or you didn't like I've already tuned those people out. It's the people that I pay money to, to do a job at my house and then they never come back. It's the guy who tried to break into my house the other night that we caught on camera, you know, and and ransacked through my wife's car in the driveway. It's guys like that, that I think about I'm running to the finish line and I'm using that guy's soul to fuel me because if I see his ass, it's going to energize me like no other. And you can call that the dark side, but here's the take home, man. Find what works for you. What works for Brian Kane or Colin Henderson is not going to work for everybody. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It doesn't work. And if it works for you, we call that a mental performance strategy. Does it help you push forward with motivation and commitment and get you to the finish line? If it does, it's a strategy. And if it works for you, work it. And what I share in my mental performance certification course or what you share or what Trevor shares isn't going to work for everybody. But as the athlete or the competitor, you got to be open to hearing what are the best people doing. Let me dabble and try and figure out my own system, figure out my own program that will help me to close the gap from where I am to where I want to be, man. Because we all got gaps and you don't close the gap with talent. You close the gap with strategy. And that's what we're talking about here today. What are the mental performance strategies for the skills that you do or the skills you have and the drills you do to develop those skills? Awareness, strategy,
0: action. Let's go. I think one of the biggest things I think people deal with, no matter how old you are, if you're a pro athlete, a youth athlete, business doesn't matter is worrying about what people think about you. <laughs> worrying about failure. So how are we yeah. building our performers to be authentic, to be courageous? I teach the performers. I work with. I say, Hey, I want you to master these five words. I'm not defined by this. And really optimizing what you have. And you know, you know, how can we, as as mental coaches, mindset coaches, leaders, coaches, where we help our performers get out of their own way and just stop FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. So I would love to get some some juice on that if you have any.
1: Yeah. And it's like FOPO or FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Let's change that for the JOMO, which is the joy of missing out and give a shit and do less you know what I'm saying? Like care less, do less. But you yeah. said the five words, I'll give you five letters. WWOPS, W-W-O-P-T. these will crush your performance in anything, sales, athletics. What will other people say? What will other people think? And mm. if you're concerned about what other people will say or what will other people think, you're already sabotaging your performance because you will never get the approval from all. And if you're seeking to get the approval from all, then that's the wrong mindset. You have to have the right enemies. You have to have the right people who don't like you because you're pushing the envelope and making people uncomfortable because that's the only way you or the people around you are going to grow. So... You know, when people have a fear, that fear is the most healthy emotion there is. Fear is the only thing that will cause you to move your ass to get somewhere where you want to be, which you can't be without the fear. If we live in a homeostatic environment, we call that dying. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. You have to seek fear, but you're never going to be fearless. And this is probably one of the biggest things that I've learned from working with high-level athletes in the Ultimate Fighting Championship is you would think George St. Pierre, Michael Bisping, Vitor Belfort, Rich Franklin, Rashad Evans, these UFC champions would be fearless. They're not. Fearless doesn't exist. It's called courageous. And courageous is I feel the fear. I feel the anxiety. I feel the self-doubt. I have some tools to work with it or I don't. The biggest one being a breath, my body language focus and self-talk. But whether I have those tools developed or not, I'm going anyway. So it's called being courageous. And courageous is I feel the fear. And maybe you even say the two magic words. I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Go, because ahead. No, no, go for I, f- it. I say the two magic words. Fuck it. And I go anyway. Mm-hmm. And when you can it. say those two magic words, that will free you from the opinion of others. That will free you from holding on to the past. That will free you from caring about the outcome. And it will get you moving. Yeah. And the key is you have to get started, man. It's the start that stops most people. Don't be the guy who's ready. Aim, 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 aim. And you never pull the trigger and fire. You're better off to be the guy who's fire, 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 fire. Okay, hang on a second. Maybe I should aim this thing. Now let's fire. But when you're getting started, just start firing, man. Mm -hmm. Start firing, take action, and then at some point you can go, okay, let me peel back and let me come back bigger, better, and stronger and more clear. And that's kind of the the process that I went through without knowing that was even a process, you know, Mm -hmm. of – whether it was writing 44 books or creating different programs and traveling 250, 280 days a year, where finally I'm like, okay, pause. I've done some shit. I've got Mm -hmm. some experience. I've learned a ton. Now, let me stop and let me think, what's my next best move? And my next best move would be to simplify, to clarify, and to focus on coaching coaches instead of the front line of athletes and here's why my mission in life And when you identify this as a drill part of the skill of motivation and commitment my mission in life is educate empower energize other people to be their best and it, to me it doesn't matter if it's if it's an nfl quarterback or it's a junior high quarterback it's not educate empower energize nfl players or ufc champions i mean i'll take them but To me, a nine-year-old and a nine-year veteran in the NFL, like they process mental game the same way. And if it's a human being and they want to grow, I'm in. doesn't matter who, it's how. It's not who we play or who we work with. It's how we play and how we work with them. And are you giving your best to the quarterback in the NFL? Are you giving the same to the quarterback in a junior high? And if you're not, then you're a fraud in my opinion. You have to give your best all the time. It does not matter who it is. If they're in front of you, you have a chance to impact, educate, empower, energize a life, do it to the best of your ability, or just don't do it and say, I can't do it. And that's fine because you can't serve everybody. So you got to identify who you want to get with. So to me, the reason why I created the certification in the athletes program, Hendo, was I just couldn't get everywhere, man. I had to say no too often because there's only so many days a year. And then I also realized when Ken Raviza passed away in July of 2018, that guy gave me the torch, man. He gave me a torch and lit a fire inside of me to try to impact and energize as many people as possible. And when I I work with an athlete, it's a one-on-one deal. But if I work with the coach of that athlete, not only is that athlete going to get it from that coach, but so is every other person that that coach touches. So in my opinion, if I can create mental performance mastery coaches and educate them on what I've done for the last two decades and what I learned from Ken Reviz on his four decades of this work, if I can educate other people and hopefully energize on, hey, this is how we do mental performance coaching. And if one coach goes out and touches 1,000 athletes or clients in their life, if I can get 10,000 coaches certified over the next 20 years, it's only 500 a year or 50 a month, for 20 years, or in a marathon, not a sprint, that's 10,000 coaches. If those 10,000 MPM certified coaches, you're one of them, is able to go touch a thousand lives, which you probably do every month. Together, dude, we're touching 10 million lives. 10,000 coaches times a thousand lives are athletes they touch. That's 10 million lives. And if it says on my gravestone, Brian, here lies Brian Kane. It should say here rests. Well, I don't even know if I'd be doing that. Underneath this is Brian Kane. We don't know what he's doing and he's probably doing sit-ups or push-ups or trying to do something, but underneath here, every yeah, underneath here is Brian King, and he educated, empowered, and energized 10,000 coaches who each touched a thousand lives, and together they touched a million lives or 10 million lives. I'm happy. I've been fulfilled, and to be happy and fulfilled is not easy, and I think the place where it happens is it happens when you live in sin. Now, here's what I mean by living in, Sin. sin stands for strengths, interests, and needs. And I took it out of Jim Collins book, Good to Great. He said, if you live in the hedgehog circles, or what I referred to as sin, no religious connotations intended, is that S is what are your strengths so good you could be best in the world? What are your interests so much that you would pay to do it? What does the world need so much that they would hire you for your expertise? If you can find the overlay, think about it like a Venn diagram. If you can find that nexus point or the center of that hedgehog circle of what are your strengths so good you could be best in the world? What are your interests so good that, you know, you would pay to do it? And what does the world need so much that they'd hire you for your expertise? If you can find those, the overlay of that, and you can find a way to live there, you can find a way to make an income there, you will become world-class and unstoppable
0: facts i like to say scratch it itch find a niche you'll be rich bitch let's go <laughs> scratch it itch man love find it. that niche you'll be rich in energy love abundance service and and passion love it. but uh we've got to sign off man we can talk forever uh, uh thank you so much hey listeners you need to check out brian kane he lives it he's done years he's learned from the best in the world he's coached every performer you can imagine and his program is best in class, I've done both his programs for coaches and athletes, and I know we have some people that um, are that work in, you know, sales or business. The same stuff applies. Business is the ultimate sport. The same content, process over outcome, self-talk, imagery, um, everything—it's going to apply to your life. So, uh, Brian, you want to give us some insights where we can find you? Those of us who don't know. If yeah, you don't know, well, yeah. now you know. Come
1: on. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot that don't know, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's just the way the world works, man. And if you go to briancain.com, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N, because there's a lot of ways to spell Brian and Cain, so B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com, you can check out my Mental Performance Mastery Coaches certification which you 've gone through Hendo, so maybe you know in the intro you could talk a little bit about the benefits that you 've gotten from that but that 's where we give the drills that develop those ten skills of mental performance mastery if you 're an athlete in this or you 're in sales you know you 're not a coach but you 're coaching yourself then I would say go through my thirty days to mental performance mastery for athletes program those are the two tracks those are the two programs if you 're a coach mental performance mastery certification if you 're an athlete thirty day mental performance mastery program for athletes or if you 're in sales go there and if you 're looking for more. I have a podcast as well. If you just go to com and click on articles in there, there's an article about the way of life app that we talked about before off the air. There's podcasts in there with UFC champions, Vitor Belfort, Rich Franklin, second overall pick in the baseball draft, 2019 Bobby Witt jr. Who's been already at 18 years old on the cover of sports illustrated. The Royals gave the guy $8 million signing bonus. Um, there's podcasts on there with, you know, George St. Pierre is going to be on there trying to get Cortland Sutton, who's an NFL all pro wide receiver on there. So just continuing to try to, to interview and talk with high performers like yourself, Hendo, whether it's a coach or it's an athlete that has gone through the system of the 10 pillars that I teach so they can put it in their own words and they can talk about how it's been beneficial to them. Other place on social media at Brian Kane peak on Twitter and Instagram. I don't follow anybody because I just don't want to bring the distraction into my life by being on there because next thing you know, you're 30 minutes in and you're watching a dog on a skateboard, but I do look at it. I do respond to all messages on there. I just try to have a high filter for distraction because I'm pretty ADHD and I can't pay attention for very long.
0: That's it, guys. You, hey, listen, success leaves clues. You don't need to be sick to get better. Winners do what non winners are not willing to do. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. Thank you, Brian Kane.
1: Thank you, Hendo. Appreciate it, man. I do know, I do know,